0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, along with Kyle Davis. We'll get you caught up on everything going on in Rockland as we are on a bye week here. So it's just going to be KD and I getting you tuned up uh, here this week. So, uh, KD, uh, a tough loss for the Toronto Rock on the weekend. We'll we'll dive right into things here. A 14-13 loss uh, on the road in Georgia to the defending NLL champions and uh, a game that started off very well for the Rock but uh, obviously one of those nights where it became a game of runs back and forth and and kind of what you expect on many many nights here in the National Lacrosse League is that you have a bunch of momentum swings and uh, at the end of the night a lot of times the game is is settled by one or two goals and uh, in this case things went to overtime. Yeah it was a good lacrosse game obviously the fans
1: There got you know their money's worth, but uh, just from a Toronto Rock perspective, couple things that unfortunate or you know unfortunate circumstances. You know you're up five nothing. You're feeling great about yourself, and and never in a game do you want to let a five goal lead slip away necessarily, or let them back into the game up five. But I know it was still early, and in the cross with so much time left to play, you know that stuff can happen. Uh, You know we talked last week about not necessarily exhausting some demons but you want to go back maybe into this building and pick up a big win since uh, you know the season ended there last year unfortunately couldn't pull that uh, that off as well as we talked you know going into this game an opportunity to not necessarily knock georgia you know out by any means but put a stranglehold on their season in a way um that, you know the way they've been started off this season uh, a little sluggish i guess too they're, everyone else's standards of them after you know winning the title last year, and unfortunately it just didn't uh, didn't come come out on the right end. It was a it was a hard fought game, and uh, you know what can you do? I think it stings a little bit more now that on the bye week you you have to sit on this one for two weeks now, and you can't get back out on the floor and kind of you know get back after it. But uh, you know that's the game of lacrosse, and that's why people love it so
0: much to jump a little bit deeper into a couple of things um, you know you touched on the five nothing lead that uh, materialized in a hurry for the Toronto Rock on Saturday night but it, it seemed like just as quickly as they got it it almost uh, evaporated in the same amount of time but you know the Rock still had a six to five lead after one but they did fall victim to a pair of four goal runs throughout the game and uh, you know for the most part you know the first half it it didn't really seem like The Rock ever had a 5 nothing lead, I guess is what I'm trying to say. After Georgia scored those two goals, when it was 5-2 even, and you could just feel the momentum swing. You know, even on only two goals, I think you could really feel that momentum swing in the first half. And then 9-8 at the half, Georgia leading. But then in the second half, I thought that The Rock kind of dialed things back in. And watching the game, I never really felt like they were in danger of losing even though it was that tight I, I just got that feeling that you know what Toronto's going to score that goal they're going to get that goal and it seemed like they did that several times they built uh, or they ended up getting the lead a number of times there in that second half but um you know when Reed Reinhold scored to go up 13-12 I think it was uh you kind of felt like you know maybe this is maybe this is it you finally knocked them down they're going to stay down but they battled back and and tied things up still and forced overtime uh with a power play goal uh with i guess just under five minutes to go i think it was so um it was it was a strange game i think georgia was really really bolstered by the uh returns of chad tutton and jordan hall to the lineup we saw the damage jordan hall did in the first half especially and just those two guys i think you know we talked a bit about it last week about how there were certain guys that had missed time so far this year and at that point we didn't know for sure that all these guys were going to be or both these guys were going to be returning uh this week uh there was some talk i guess that tutton would probably be back very very soon and turned out he was back for uh, last saturday but i don't think we we're quite as dialed in on jordan hall's return maybe um as we should have been maybe but those two guys i think really really made quite an impact on this game in my opinion anyway
1: yeah, and, and Hall, you know, seemed to just fit into that offense so well. Like I remember when when they picked him up and, you know, was wondering what what kind of role or what would he really bring to the table here, but he seems to I don't know, light a fire on that left side or just be kind of a glue guy for that left side and really really help everyone come together the way he plays and, and just to speak to Tutton a little bit there, like I, I remember it was last year in Toronto when he got hurt. Uh, just he seemed to be under everyone's skin in that arena. Like he was yeah. go- going down, you know. He you know, whether just be lying on the floor, or you know, he was actually hurt the second time. Just the boo birds, the the rock players, you know, chirping him and trying to get at him. It's just he just had a presence on the floor or in that game all evening uh, that he brought to the table. And obviously, you know, getting him back was a, was a good boost for them as well. And it's it's crazy what a you know just a little fresh blood into a lineup can do and you know we'll see we'll have to track that and see what that does for georgia moving forward you know you get a couple guys back you get a big win and maybe their season kind of turns around here again
0: well and even further on tutton i think like since day one that he stepped into the league i think must have been i guess two years ago or whatever it was his rookie training camp exhibition game here against georgia battling with Colin Doyle all night. Yep. Battling with Colin Doyle. And it just to the point where it totally turned the attention of the entire game to that battle and who was, you know, maybe going to go out and and seek some retribution there and maybe try to settle a score or at least get Chad Tutton out of Colin Doyle's face. Right. And so you see what kind of an impact that he could have on a game like that and just how he gets his team fired up. So, I think those two returns were uh were pivotal uh for the swarm and the fact that they got they got goals when they needed them they answered with those runs um you know i don't think goaltending on either side of the ledger was particularly at its best throughout the night i mean nick rose ended up 37 saves on 51 shots which is only a 725 save percentage which is not a number where you want to get to uh at the end or a number where you want to be at at the end of the night so um not the game probably between the pipes and I think defensively I think both teams probably look at that effort and think there was probably a few goals that they would like to have back I mean as you do on most nights but I feel like you know on in a game like that that's so tight and dictated by the runs and then you get into an overtime situation you do sit there and say you know we didn't have to be a ton better defensively but just on these couple of plays and it's a two or a three goal win and i think probably both teams maybe thought that uh both ways by the time the final buzzer sounded um a couple of offensive performances i did want to touch on though adam jones in his 100th career game goes off for seven points rob hellyer looked great the goalie scored early on pool was just A work of art in terms of an outside shot I'll say and the other guy I think we need to talk a little bit more about is Dan Lindner and his impact and the fact he scored I think 22 seconds in to the game scored on the first shot he's the guy inserted in for Schreiber and you know I think this is going to be a major point of discussion because at the end of the end of the or maybe maybe not exactly here on this program but I think in the weeks going forward here and what you want to get out of Dan Lindner at the end of the night is that enough you know at the end of the night you say you know if you get that one goal and it was you know right at the start of the game but it did kick start that five nothing run it was like immediately Georgia was back on their heels right from that first goal and that first moment but at the end of the night is that what you you only want one goal from Dan Lindner do you need more is it the timeliness of his scoring what you know at the end of the night again like what what are you happy with from Dan Lindner stepping into the mix here? Yeah, I mean, I think it can
1: vary on, you know, separate games or kind of what's going on in each game. But from from Dan's perspective, you know, kudos. He's been sitting out of the lineup. He goes in, he scores right away. Obviously got to be feeling good, jacked up, sigh of relief to get involved and engaged in the game early. But, you know, moving on from a, from an offensive perspective, I think, you know, if you really look at it, 59 and a half minutes of play and assist. So... I I mean, I know no one's filling Tom Schreiber's shoes by any means, but it's not just Dan. I think it's a collective effort, right? Uh, You know, maybe Dan Craig could have chipped in with one. Not saying, you know, no one played terrible by any means. I'm not saying that. Uh, But collectively, the offense is going to, you know, I think Hickey had two. uh, Reinhold had one. uh, Kieran had... uh, one, so it was just kind of, you know, it was felt like it was, you know, one from every guy across the board in a way. Um, but some nights that might work. Some nights you might need a couple more from, you know, one of them at a particular game. I don't think you you need everyone to have, you know, their a game or go off for, for three or four per night. But uh, obviously, I, I know from my perspective, uh, you know, when playing, if I if I had one, you know, the first possession of the game and ended the night with one, I wouldn't be too thrilled with my overall game personally.
0: And we should mention that defensively, you know, Challen Rogers scored a couple of goals, Damon Edwards scored. So they did get some contribution from the back end, and that's where, again, in this situation it's going to be interesting because I think immediately you turn around and you do start to think that way in that, you know, some guys could have given you more. And I think on a lot of nights when the big guys are going, that kind of gets – maybe not lets the other guys off the hook a little bit, but it does in in some respects. And I think, you know, big picture, I think the Rock got enough goals probably to win that game. For sure, I agree. You know, But it is, in some cases, a dangerous territory, which I think we've talked about before, and that 11-12-13 output can be dangerous territory, right? You can find yourself, you know, I think, fairly okay with the offensive output, but for whatever reason, even though the stats may not work out into, you know, Nick Rose, you look at his goals against average going into the game, just over 11, right? And you're like, well, you don't get that every night, right? It's an average, right? So that's where I started to say in this kind of roundabout way here is that, you know, that 11, 12, 13 goals for range can, I feel like more often than not, you're still in a little bit of a dangerous area. You know when you don't score over 10, you're in a lot of trouble. For sure. Right? And I think that's a black and white. But that eleven, twelve, thirteen, I don't think is always as good as you'd think it should be almost. Well,
1: and no, I agree. And I think, you know, that in that range, you're probably gonna come out somewhere, you know, you're gonna win as many games as you're gonna lose in yeah. that in that range. And I think you look at New England, they've kinda lived in that range all year. They were four and one. The, the, and I, th- you know, it all these balances out in the end. They're they've lost a couple in a row now. They're struggling right now, and they're four and four, or four and four, I believe now. Yeah. After well,
0: and even further, I mean, look at the rock wins. Toronto has five wins this year. What do we got? Three times over twenty, one at seventeen, and another win at twelve. So one out of their five wins, they've scored now. under fifteen. Yeah. So that's where I, I think that maybe thirteen. While well, you think, okay, well, it should be enough. Probably most nights it's probably not going to be enough to win. For sure. And, you know, just
1: kind of you mentioned the – I guess when the big boys were going in some of those wins, we didn't really clue into, you know, what was going on in the bottom of the score sheet. Not in the bottom of the score sheet, but some of the other offensive guys as it wasn't uh, wasn't required. But, you know – when you are in a game this tight now and, and you do get, I guess, isolated or pinpointed on some of these things because you, you do critique it more. You know, if some of these players are coming off a game like this, probably saying, oh, if I just scored that one or made that assist, that's how close the, the difference is opposed to some of those blowouts where, you know, we won, I didn't really, I missed four shots and maybe it's yeah. sitting on me individually, but we just smashed that team. So it's not dwelling on me as much, I guess you could say.
0: And I know you liked some of the shot totals from the big guys for the Rock. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Uh, you know, I think jo- <laughs> jo- Jonesy had, was out 17 shots, 17 I 17 shots, yeah. Hellier
1: was up around 11. Yep. So, uh, you know, they were shooting the ball. And going back to, uh, you know, the goaltending there actually quickly, I know on this podcast earlier throughout the year we said maybe Georgia wasn't getting the goaltending they necessarily had last year or Poon wasn't playing up to uh, his potential or standard. Uh, I know you thought a big play was when he made three key saves on the power play that maybe changed something within the game, even though the Rock scored after it, but just must have picked his team up to a certain extent, right? And a couple big saves like that can help a game out big time.
0: Yeah, I think so for sure, and and Hickey ended up scoring after the power play had expired, but um, Poulin did make, you know, I think two or three real good saves real quick, you know, the Rock got the ball back and got those second and third chances, but still it was like, Okay, well, Pooley's here now, maybe, and if he does let in one, we know maybe he is gonna make that big save and and I think he did, and we saw right at the end of the game Rob Hellyer's crease dive, you know, you know, Poolin makes a big save late late in the game there and that could have won it and that would have been, I think, one of the highlight real goals of the year because it looked like Hellier I would have liked to have a measuring tape there on how far outside the crease he took off and got across, got all the way across in the air. Like, that was one heck of a leap that he went on. And if anybody's talking Superman, like, that might have set the new standard, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm over-exaggerating here. I don't know. But it just seemed like every time I've watched that play, I'm like, man, he was well outside the crease. It wasn't the, like you know hit it tiptoe dive like jump out and around like he was airborne there and uh you know and that's how close this game was that's how close this league is on most nights that you know it's that one shot that one save that is literally the difference in the game and you know we've sat here each week and said okay well now we know what's gonna happen like this is gonna happen this is gonna happen this team's dialed in this team and almost to a tee it goes the opposite way or fifty percent of the games go go the other way and it's always the ones that you think are the biggest locks, it seems like this year. Seem seem to be the ones because, you know, we look at Rochester after the Rock beat them on the uh on the tenth of February on the Saturday night, you think this team might be down and out here. They're sitting at two and six and probably not feeling real good about themselves. And they gotta travel down to Georgia and play a team that's just as desperate as they are and they put a bit of a beating on them and then they beat saskatchewan at home pretty handily as by well. a nice margin and now the east is just jammed just absolutely jammed
1: yeah it's crazy and it like i agree it is those ones you uh think are locks you know you go back to that buffalo into saskatchewan first week after you know a couple key guys go down saskatchewan at home that crazy building that to me, was a lock. Obviously, you yeah. know, looking at Saskatchewan sitting at eight and one or seven and one at the time going into uh, to Rochester, struggling, and I thought, you know, to, on paper that's a lock. But that's why you play the games and, and whatnot, and that's what makes this game so I think interesting and fun. And you know, we do have this conversation of, you know, parity in the league. We thought at the start, you know, maybe there was different tiers in the league, and then how quickly that's come together, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's disappeared. There's one tier. It's everybody. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean,
0: things change quick, and it's fun. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to take a uh, short break here, I think, and then we're going to – we're going to do our own mid-season report cards. We're going to give out some letter grades on uh, some aspects of the team, the offense, the defense, and the goaltending, and chat a little bit about what we think about. We'll also uh, talk about upcoming games here on the schedule for The Rock as we're in the middle of the bye week, and just how things are going to sort themselves out here in the, uh, in the next few weeks and just what's going on, maybe a little more on Tom Schreiber and uh, what's going on there and some awards and whatnot that have come his way. So a short break here. We'll uh, reset ourselves and then we'll be back to uh, put together the final segment of Toronto Rock Total Access. say one for trouble, two time. Come on, girls, let's rock Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. The batteries are recharged here, and we are ready to. Uh, Bring you through the home stretch on the program today. We are going to jump right into our mid-season report cards for the Toronto Rock, and we have seen the National Lacrosse League and All-Productions this week has been giving out their uh, mid-season hardware, and uh, good to see Tom Schreiber was named the MVP of the half season, and uh, we'll touch on that though after we get through our uh, our report cards here. So. We'll start with, uh, we're going to go through the offense, defense, and the goaltending. Just generally speaking, their grades, letter grade on this. So the offense, uh, well, you can kick things off, Katie. What, do you, what kind of grade are you giving to the offense?
1: I'm going to give to the offense uh, a B B+. Uh, you know, I think they've had, well, obviously the spurt they had was crazy. That was ridiculous. The, the numbers they were putting up. Uh, you know, I do think they started a little slow offensively with the Buffalo-Saskatchewan loss. Obviously, you know, in Rochester got the win, but, you know, it was a 12-5-4 uh, record right now. I think that, you know, there still is room for improvement, uh, but, it, but it's been pretty good. So a B-plus for me on the offense.
0: Well, I'm going with an A-minus. Uh, I flirted with a B-plus. I thought that that could be an appropriate grade as well, but I'm going with an A-minus more to go on to the positive side of just how good this offense has been when it's rolling and maybe even you know we may never get back to those levels again this season here we might not get back to 17 18 20 goals again I mean maybe 17 I think is probably safe to say we'll get back to but you know if this team doesn't score 20 again it's not like it's going to be a disappointment we'd like them to sure but it doesn't mean it's going to be a disappointment but like you say in those losses I think still a little bit more consistency in terms of the total output when you've got you know three out of your four losses you scored less than 10 goals in those games I think you just need a little bit more to get a little higher grade so hopefully that's something that all you guys can work on in the second half if you want an A we need some more consistency out of you and little to no games where you score under 10 goals that's my message <laughs> to the offense, and that's why you get an A minus. Still pretty good, but you've got some work to do if you want to at least maintain that grade here in the second half. Uh, moving to the defense, um, I'll take that one first. I'm going to give them a B. Uh, again, I think it's been pretty good, but in some cases, when you're looking when you're looking at a goal total, maybe the offense has bailed out is not the correct term but I think you probably know where I'm going is that it hasn't necessarily mattered in some respects and I know some people will get all fired up about that but when you are putting up 24 goals you know and again some of that is kick-started by defense and turnovers and good defensive play leading to goals at the other end and great goaltending and and all those other kind of things but I still think there's probably a little more that we can get from the defense here and i think saturday night was probably a good example of that when you do get into i guess what we're now calling the danger zone of that uh, 11 12 13 goals four that you are going to need to have a defensive effort where you're going to hold the other team to 13 or less in this case but probably in that 9 10 11 range in order to win
1: yeah for sure i'm gonna my defensive rating here uh Hear me out here. I'm going right. to give the defense an A minus for, All right. and I know there's if there's defense, you know, just defensive, you know, perspective from it. But the reason I uh, kind of bumped them up a bit is some of the transition goals we're we're getting transition a lot of transition goals from the defense. I find yep. Challen, Sheldon, you know, Latrell, they're really pushing the ball in comparison from the the start of the season in the first game where I didn't think the transition was really. A factor, but I feel the defense is adding another element to the game that has been very beneficial towards the Toronto Rock uh, this season. I mean, things could tighten up a bit, you know, in their own end. But because they've brought this other element to the table um, that I thought's been uh, been a very big positive, uh,
0: I'm going to give them an A minus there. All right, you know, you made some good points. I think maybe if uh, I got a couple of apples on my desk or something like that from some of the defenders, maybe I could be, you know, coerced into uh, bumping this up to a B-plus maybe uh, and hopefully up to an A in the second half of the season. But I'm still sticking with my B. Um, The goaltending, Nick Rose has logged, uh, well, almost every minute here so far. So we're really talking about Rosie more than anything else than, uh, you know, generally speaking about the offense or the defense. But uh, the goaltending side of things, what kind of grade, I guess, essentially are you giving Rosie? I think he's been good too. I think,
1: uh, you know, he's been pretty consistent uh, in in his play. He's been a horse in logging, uh, you know, all the minutes. Uh, for Rosie, I'm going to give uh, Rosie off the top of my head here probably a B-plus as well. I think he's been uh, been good, and you can't, you know, ask much more. I think I know a lot of these times the – there's a couple, you know, Rosie you maybe would obviously have back, but a lot of times after a loss, it's easy to go to the goaltender. But without looking at actually breaking it down, saying, well, actually there was a defensive breakdown here that might have led to, you know, this backdoor pass or whatever. He's made some ridiculous saves this year. That cross crease for his Calgary. Uh, I think he's been on. I think he's been good, and you know, hope to see that again for the rest of the season. And you know, if you just cut back a couple of those, you know, I'm sure you'd want those back moments. Uh, you know Get up into the A's and the team will be rolling.
0: <laughs> I'm also going to go with a B-plus grade here. And I think it's because, you know, you look at Rosie's season last year and he was so dominant in the months of January and February. So, so good. And I don't think we've quite seen that yet. And that's where we had A-plus Rosie. And I think that we are – my gut feeling here is that I think we're about to get into that territory of seeing the A-plus Rosie here down the stretch. I think the schedule's been nicely spread out. We've had a bye week here. We're getting into, you know, some more home games in the month of March. Home three times, March 3rd, 11th, and 30th for those people looking for tickets. And uh, I think that's where we're going to see now Rosie turning the corner where he, he may not have been at his A-plus Rosie. You know, through the first half of the season, but a very solid B plus again, probably flirting with an A minus because there have been some games where we've just seen him uh, so dialed in, and I think you know Rochester, I think, was a good example of that um, back a couple of weeks ago, and you know, even I think the very first game of the season, the loss to Buffalo, I thought he was really good that night, really good. I mean, the team gives up 13 goals, two of them are empty netters, Let's in 11, but. I thought maybe that was even one of his best games this season. So B-plus for Rosie. I think there's more there, and I'm very, very confident that we're going to see A-plus Rosie here in the second half of the season, which, uh, you know, if you're sitting at 5-4 and four and seeing that, you know, there's a reasonable optimism uh for you know your defense and goaltending to be a bit better here in the second half then i mean i think hopefully things should work out pretty well for you and even when you talk about the team sitting at five and four you know at the halfway point of the season the team ended nine and nine last year you know i i don't see this team losing five games you know the rest of the season to end up possibly at nine and nine again i think coming into the season I thought an 11 or 12 win season I mean you you sit there and you think that's only two or three more wins but it's pretty significant when you think about you know especially where this team was two years ago before Matt Sawyer came and stepped in but um I I still think this team is capable of 11 or 12 wins which means it is going to have to have a better second half you know in terms of the results than it did in the first half but I think there's every reason to believe that that's possible um so that'll kind of wrap it up for our grades we want to move on a little bit talk about tom schreiber and uh you know the nll nll productions giving out their awards mvp of the first half of the season uh agree you on board with that yeah i'm on board with that i thought he was you know tremendous from
1: when he was playing before he went down i thought he uh you know, brought a lot to the table. The guy's your hardest worker on the team. When that, when your best player's your hardest worker, I think that goes a long way. I mean, I know he started a little bit slow under his standards to, you know, points total, but he made up for that real quick uh, and was a beast. And I thought, uh, you know, there's moments in games where Tom really takes over. One sticks out to me, that New England game. He just scored in Toronto. Yep. He scored two just ridiculous goals. The ball was in his stick for... You know a good period of time there and it just felt like all right this is 26 is night now he's going uh he's going to put the team on his back in a way not you know obviously other team members chip in but he for for a period of that game says all right guys let's go get this um so yeah i, I agree with that he is the, the the mvp and it's unfortunate he did go down because i would have loved to see you know the race down the stretch to see how that would have played out for the for the full season
0: so maybe we should throw out a quick buy or sell, and we still talking three one hundred point guys. <laughs> Is Tom just going to come back and just be an animal and get you know fifty points in his last uh, five games on the schedule?
1: No, unfortunately, no? <laughs> okay. I don't think we're going to see three now. It's you know I was selling it early, I bought it, and now I'm in trouble. But you no, know, that's uh, that's lacrosse. We had to take in consideration <laughs> the injury. Um, I know Tom's you know the MVP of the of the league so far the midseason, through the NLL. Uh, one thing I find interesting um, with the Rock, at least, is is Adam Jones. You know, he's leading the league in points. And and is there a difference between MVP and
0: maybe most
1: important? I guess if that yeah. make if that makes sense, or most
0: outstanding player, like the, an MOP versus yeah. an MVP. And and like for
1: instance, in, in and on a per team level, um, you know, obviously Tom, Tom is you know, flashy Captain America, is crease dive and speed, hard work, um, you know, but that right side is so powerful for the Rock. And I think on the left side, kind of everything kind of goes through through Jonesy in a way, right? Yep. It, and the other guys kind of filter through underneath them. And, you know, on the right side, you still have Hellier. If Hickey, you know, shriver's happens to have a little bit of an off night. Uh, I think Jones's importance, you know, to the overall team on that left side you know, it's a different form of MVP or, or most important, but I think what Adam Jones brings to the table is equally as important when he's on for the Toronto Rock success on the left side.
0: I'll throw this out at you too. So you've got maybe Jonesy and Hellier maybe enter the MVP conversation a little bit more because of Schreiber's injury, and depending obviously on the results here, and if those guys step up and. You know, as much as we've talked about the supporting cast stepping up to fill the void, it may be more on those two guys to step up than anybody, really. But at the same time, you know, Tom Schreiber won the MVP in the Pro Field League, Major League Lacrosse, in the summer. Didn't play every game. Can Tom Schreiber still be the NLL MVP if he is backed by, you know, the, the loose projection here of the end of March? and he gets into the last five games is you know is there still a chance he could win the mvp only playing maybe 12 or 13 games this year it's a stretch for sure but could, yeah
1: could he i think it's a, i think it is a stretch a long shot but i don't think it's unheard of um you know you mentioned he did it in the field of lacrosse i know you know thinking back to other sports with it, Connor mcdavid won the the rookie of the year he missed Thirty games or yeah. whatever broken collarbone. I mean, I do think it's it's possible. I, I just think the talent, the top heavy talent at you know the top of the scoring sheet or or in this league is is so prominent that you know uh, the voters or or whatnot will uh, won't be able to turn their head away from what what everyone else is doing. And there's still going to be some great performances. And you know Adam Jones is leading the league right now. If he still goes off on the back half and is leading the league. How do you not take a look at that? You know, you mentioned Robbie. Still, other got Sean Evans, Mark Matthews. They'll all be in the conversation, and if they're playing full seasons, I think it's going to be tough to uh, to not consider one of them. But uh,
0: well, I almost think it's like the fact that he got injured mid-season and will still return with potentially, you know, five games left on the schedule. Um, You know, if he does come back, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, like, to reasonably believe, really, that he might still score 40 points in those last five games. Like, that's not crazy. It is, he would have to be very big. And, you know, there's probably a 12 point game in there and then maybe a six pointer in there to kind of even things out where you got to average basically eight points a game there. But it's not crazy to think he could do that. And then, you know, now you're flirting with 90 points still excuse me, in only 13 games. I mean...
1: Yeah, those numbers would be...
0: Very good, right? Very, very good. And you think it's... So many times I feel like... And this is what I think kind of bit Nick Rose in the butt last year with the goaltender of the year, was that he was so good in the first two months of the season, had a bad... Like, not so great finish to the season last year in April that he would like to probably put behind him. But, you know, if he flip those seasons rounds like we like we talked about if he would have maybe had his April struggles in January and then had his January February lights out play in you know March and April he probably runs away with goalie of the year and that's where I think Schreiber could be in a position kind of the same thing where you know he's had a he's had a good start but he's obviously just going to be completely off the map here for a month and a bit but if he comes back here in the end of March and April and just goes bonkers
1: yeah, I don't know. I,
0: I think he could still win it.
1: There's a lot, some for a lot of times. There's a lot of recency bias yeah. in this kind of stuff. And what have you done for me lately? Um, That's a new
0: thing, hey? Recency bias. <laughs> <laughs> another well, another way. Sample size. <laughs> another way
1: it could ha- like I mean, here's a scenario, and not a scenario I think is going to happen or Toronto Rock fans want to happen by any means. Yeah. Say he misses five games, the Rock go. You know, one and four, zero oh and two and three, zero oh and five, whatever that looks like. Does that help his case that the team, you know, wasn't really picking up wins while well, he was gone? He was that important to the team when he is here,
0: and they come back. And he comes, he back, comes back, and, and, they and now they, you know, off. rally
1: off four in a row or four, you yeah, know, four
0: and one, whatever however many
1: games he plays. But just his the difference with him not in the lineup to in the lineup, and and I don't know. I don't think Toronto's going to struggle you know like that badly without him here I think they're going to pick up wins they're going to still continue on with their business but just that scenario what does that do to his case for this argument
0: so I think basically the point we're getting to both of us now we've convinced each other that Tom really could still be the MVP this year and just the uh, timeliness maybe of his injury may even at the end of the day help his case it may solidify this partially torn PCL maybe his path to the MVP. <laughs> that would be a crazy. Who knew? Who knew? All right. Well, uh, we'll just uh, we're just about ready to wrap things up here. But of course, we've got a bye week. But there's lots of big stuff coming up. March 3rd, Bobblehead Night. March 11th, charity game. Uh, KD, what do you got for us?
1: Yeah, we got. A, it's gonna be a great March after you know taking February off here at the hangar for the most part. Uh, March 3rd bobblehead night captain Brody Merrill not a rematch of what we just saw Overtime Thriller you're not going to want to miss that Um, March 11th game though get out on Ticketmaster for all the single game buyers just launched a great uh, Great promotion a buy one get one kids free ticket for our our kids night or kids day It's a afternoon start on a Sunday in Toronto, so it should be a, a great atmosphere and then obviously, we follow that up March 30th, Colorado in town, a team that doesn't come into Toronto too often. Uh, I think, you know, we're talking about Rosie turning around. I think he's going to be on fire that night. He's playing his good buddy Dylan Rose, who's in attendance, who I think is going to be, uh, you know, battling for goaltender of the year maybe down the stretch here. I think that's going to just be a, a goaltending clinic. So it's something you're not going to want to miss. Uh, we have great, great packages. Still your last chance to buy your four play pack. Uh, get you into all those games we discussed and the last uh, last game of the season, Fan Appreciation Night, April 13th. Uh, said it before on here, $110, four games, lower bowl, platinum ticket in there, which is worth $72 alone. It is an absolute steal you don't want to miss on. So give us a shout at 416-596-3075 or uh, torontorock.com slash tickets and we can we'll be more than happy to help you out with your needs talk lacrosse and discuss the podcast in the upcoming big month of toronto <laughs> rock lacrosse
0: yeah you know you mentioned the match up there with dylan ward and rosie coming up at the end of the month and it's funny that uh you know the segment that nll productions put out Uh, the EA Sports possible ratings thing. And then D-Ward just said, you know, he wants to be one better than Rosie. And I think that's probably something that, you know, when you actually peel the layers of that back, I bet there's actually a lot to that. For sure. Like a lot more because Rosie is like the man in Orangeville. And he still kind of is the man, even though D-Ward did win a Minto Cup and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's always been, even though they're buds and everything, there is probably... A lot of competitiveness that exists there, kind of uh, maybe a layer or two beneath the surface. So that'll be fun to watch uh, at the end of March, and who knows, maybe a little teaser, maybe that could be the return of Tom Sharpe as well. Could be the time teaser. Frame. Teaser. We will see. Could be. Um, and also one other thing to note: there on the uh, buy one adult ticket, get one uh, kids ticket free. Available only through Ticketmaster. Not available in the Upper Bowl or Captain's Corners and Just make sure when you are on uh, Ticketmaster, when you're purchasing your tickets, um, to select the offer. That's how you get it. You have to pick the (laughs) offer. It's really tough, but pick it.
1: (laughs) Did you um, want to break that trade to anyone who did not know about the trade by this point? Maybe listening to the podcast? or Yeah, we didn't even talk about it at all.
0: We didn't even talk about it at all. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Paulus gets traded from Georgia to New England for a second- and a third-round pick. Fills a void, I'm sure, in a pretty big way now for New England, who has, through trades in the last two months, built a much more formidable left-handed offensive side than what they entered the season with. So, I mean... How can you not say it's a win for New England? They gave up a couple of draft picks for a guy who walks in, in a lineup and is arguably their number one or two lefty. It kind of stinks that he ends up in division. You know, a team that the Rock are battling with just got in the offensive side of the ball better. Um, but we'll wait and see. I think it is going to be very interesting. You Look at Johnny Palace's numbers last year. He was on pace for 90 points, you know, on a championship team. He's already got four NLL titles and he's 25 <laughs> that's wild
1: but yeah I just get fired up from trade movement we got NHL trade deadline coming <laughs> so you know to see one break in the NLL circuit got me going a bit but uh, you know interesting you mentioned you know he has four championships already in five years but he also has four teams in his career now in the NLL yeah. and you wonder what that's about but uh, yeah New England Obviously not thrilled with, you know, kind of where they started the season at, I guess, offensively to pick up, uh, particularly on the left side, to grab a couple guys. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see that play out and, you know, Georgia trading that asset to someone they're going to be battling with, right? And, you know, yeah. it sucks for us, but obviously something was going on there. You'd think you they would be trying to move him to the West or someone... They don't have to see him again now this year or you know he's going to bury them in, in a potential game or, or whatnot, but exciting to see some, some in-season, in-season movement, which you don't usually see too often.
0: Yeah, we'll see how this whole uh, cocktail, I guess, plays out for New England is when you think about <laughs> how everything was mixed up there at the start of the year. You've got Kyle Buchanan, Crowley Evans, where you're like probably pretty happy with those three on your right side and your left side, clearly they thought they had some holes and then now you throw LeBlanc and, and Johnny Paulus in there and you're like, Okay, well how does this you know, after you throw it all in the blender <laughs> just, what are you coming out with?
1: It just mixing a potion over <laughs> there on the left side. Well, right? You never know, you're right? Like,
0: like this could be something where it's like, Oh man, this was the perfect mix.
1: Yeah. It how could did be. we
0: not you know, Johnny Palace, Steph LeBlanc and these other guys on the right, this could be the perfect mix. Or it could be something that makes you throw up in the morning, right?
1: And, you know, what I find interesting interesting too, they make the Steph trade, you know, when things were, they were doing pretty well at New England at the start of yep. the year. Things aren't doing, the things aren't going so well there now. And, you know, now they make a trade. Just the, the timing of each trade, obviously, you'd make your team better, I guess, any chance you can. But I wonder if, you know, coaching staff and really, really thinks or, not as lost belief in the, in the group, but says, okay, maybe we aren't as good as we thought we were. And we do really yep. need to bring something in here to help.
0: Very true. All right. Well, that will about, uh, I think officially wrap up the podcast here. So don't forget the rocker at home again, next Saturday night, March the 3rd, when they host, uh, the Georgia swarm, the rematch. And like we said, the overtime games last year, both regular season games went to overtime. We've already been to overtime, uh, in the one meeting so far this year. So, Um, this is a lock to go to overtime next Saturday (laughs) maybe yeah but as we know usually our locks turn into the the absolute opposite so take that for what it's worth Uh, what else I want to mention yeah first 5,000 fans in the building get a Brody Merrill bobblehead courtesy of Backley Construction which I know we already touched on Um, anyways we'll be back next week to get you straight dialed into everything again coming up for next Saturday night's uh, Toronto Rock home game on March 3rd so In the meantime, and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it, that's all. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with, and we'll chat next week.